Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports. What is good, everybody? This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. You are listening to MTMV Sports. My team, my voice, your team, their voice. They got you covered every day, every time that you need it. Keep it locked. And now, the time fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the MTMV main card with your man, The Voice. I must first introduce my esteemed colleague, the man uh, who who has become the utility man for MTMV Sports. I mean, if it's if it's fight sports, he's there. If it's boxing, he's the, well. That is fight sports. If it's fight sports, he's there. Uh, he's definitely there for the boxing uh, uh, portion of it. You know, if it's basketball, he's there. If it's football, he's there. If it's the WNBA, he's there. If it's a uh, 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 competitive badminton, he's there. None other than Will T. What's going on, Will? Man, happy be- that's yo. That's like the ultimate meaning, brother. I I appreciate that. I am priding myself on possibly going into the Bo Jackson of MTMV Sports. Oh, Couldn't do it. Like but of course, here I am with the curator of MTMV Combat Sports. It is, I'm going to try your joint. The man, the myth, the legend, the voice. How are you doing, sir? Oh, man. Uh, I am. Well, I'm much better. <laughs> much better than I was last time. We did this listening back to some of those recordings. It was like, ooh, brother was struggling. But uh yeah, uh, I am D's and F's. That means I'm doing fine in school. It may mean you didn't flunk, but I'm doing fine. Definitely sounds good, man. I'm excited. Man, we got a beautiful, beautiful rundown of some uh amazing fights that we need to talk about. Man, you ready to get into it? Yes, sir. All right, we gotta start, of course. The Gypsy King versus the body snatcher <laughs> Tyson Fury versus Dillian White actually took place uh, Saturday, April 23rd uh, at Wembley Stadium. And of course, this was the championship bout for Fury and what he stated would be uh, his last bout uh, as a fighter. Now, uh, Fury, of course, uh, came out of that in the TKO with a six round knockout. Um, but there was a lot going on after the fight. So, was tell us what you thought about the fight and the, the, the post match. Um, well, the uh, the fight itself was very entertaining. It was one sided, but it was very entertaining. Uh, I gave the first round and the first round only to uh, Dillian White, and simply because he came out in that southpaw stance and really kind of had fury. I won't say shook. But he was definitely off his game. He was like, what is this and what's going on? You know, and it took him about that round to uh, get comfortable. And he switched to Southpaw uh, the following round. And it just got worse and worse and worse and devolved and devolved. You know, l- lest we forget the elbow to the throat and the rabbit punches uh, that took place uh, in the fourth round. Uh, and um, uh, White being upset about the headbutt. And then after he got knocked out thoroughly, say, oh, he cheated because he pushed me. That push saved you, my brother. If he, if you had not been pushed and you were on your feet, that means you would have gotten hit more. And if you got hit more, I guarantee you, as long as it took you to answer that 10 count, 
you know you you barely made it up in nine and then you staggered across the ring had he hit you some more it would not have been good because he when he fell i don't remember seeing his head hit the uh canvas you know just kind of fell back and then after he fell back he was you just see how out of it he was yeah so um uh, you know you can protest that all you want but as fury said as he said air quotes this is his last fight as a professional fighter now you said something about the aftermath uh, and the aftermath does deal with the fight but it would be probably an exhibition fight it would i won't say it would have to be but because of the fact that it would be strictly striking yet in four ounce gloves it's probably going to be an exhibition fight could you find someone to sanction it absolutely is that something that tyson would want to have sanctioned because of the possibility of losing probably not uh if engano loses he you know hey he loses it's, it's not a big deal he's lost before tyson's got that o and that o is worth something so uh it would by all intents and purposes be an exhibition bout um and i would love to see it i would love to see it. um you know i it'd be interesting because tyson i take it is probably not having that many street fights i know i wouldn't be trying to fight tyson fury in a in a bar or something that'd be really really dumb um even if he weren't the baddest boxer uh on the planet the dude is really really big so picking a fight with him <laughs> not the not the brightest idea in the world um so from the perspective of having to fight and not having the gloves not having uh the, the ability to defend yourself by just putting your gloves up because the forearms gloves are there strictly to protect your knuckles you know it's just to keep you from breaking your hands uh there's no padding there so uh, just kind of seeing how he would handle that piece of things uh is interesting i mean that's all that uh francis really knows he wanted to box uh he went into things with the archers so that he went into fight sports with the idea of becoming the heavyweight champion uh but his uh his coach was like no you know try to do mma and uh that definitely has been the most beneficial thing for him um his striking is rudimentary at best it's powerful <laughs> but it's rudimentary so um tyson should have all the advantages just be interesting to see uh, how it will play out because of the fact that it's not using boxing gloves well, Tyson has a lot on his plate because, you know, it, with Ngannou stating that he really wants to make the fight and that actually being a holdup for him re-signing, uh, on the other hand, his, uh, Tyson's wife also stated that he would definitely come back for a unification fight. And, and from what I'm hearing, um, he's actually pushing uh, for the Anthony Joshua fight uh, winner to possibly uh, unify those titles. So um, that would definitely be... Uh, be interesting to see because I also heard that uh his um his manager is pushing Deontay Wilder to take that fight for another possible unification. And I see your face what? there, but yeah, that, I mean, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go, go, I mean, go it's ahead. I mean, it's possible we could you know we could possibly get a, a great unification fight to end it all, and you know Tyson goes out on top or he takes the Ngannou fight. But either or, I mean, he's already etched in, in the record books moving forward so he you know he he can ride off into the sunset yeah absolutely his, his as you said his legacy is cemented 
um, whatever he does next does not really impact his legacy. I mean, even if he took a fight and he lost, he still his legacy is intact. Um, yeah, I, I could not contain uh, my emotions when it came to the thought of him fighting Wilder again. It just doesn't make sense. He beat the man three times. I mean, <laughs> I, they they gave the draw in that first fight because of where it was and the politics and Tyson Fury not being known uh, as well as he was known after that fight. And then doing the other stuff that he did after that fight. So uh, that's what happened. But everybody knows Tyson Fury won every single one of those fights. He just won the second two much more definitively. So, um, yeah, I, no, nobody wants to see that except for Wilder uh, and the Wilder fans. So, uh, And it's not like it made all the money that they thought it was going to make anyway. So it just it just doesn't make a whole lot of business sense. Uh, it would still be interesting to see him unify the the belts, whether it be Usyk or Joshua. That would be very, very interesting. Usyk, because Usyk is arguably uh, pound for pound one of the best, and he has one of the strongest arguments for that. Uh, destroying everyone at Cruiserweight and then coming up and beating the people that he's beat and beating them the way that he has at heavyweight. Um, Joshua, I mean, that's an all England fight. That, oh my, you think that this fight against Dillian White sold out Wembley? Put Joshua in there. Man, they they probably need to sell out Wembley and then uh, uh, simulcast it at uh, Man U's Arena and at uh, <laughs> at uh, Tottenham Spur and, and they'd sell them all out. Mm. even on uh closed caption simulcast they sell it all out because yeah that that would be the biggest uh the biggest boxing match in the history of the uk oh wow well it'll definitely be interesting to see how that plays out i would i would love to see uh joshua go to so but uh you know we'll, we'll see what happens over the next few months it'll, it'll definitely be interesting uh interesting but I'm moving from one weight class to another. Now, on April 30th at MGM Grand, uh, Shakur Stevenson and Oscar Valdez fought for the uh, junior lightweight uh, champion now championship. Now, fight pundits literally stated that Stevenson dominated Valdez from the beginning to the end. Uh, Stevenson also stated that this was actually his most difficult fight. Now, boys, what, what are your thoughts on the bout and also Stevenson's desire to become the uh, undisputed champ at 130 in the future. I think being the undisputed champ is that's doable. That's really doable because Stevenson is still young. He is utterly dominating his competition. You know, let's not forget that he became the 130 champ by stopping Jamel Heron. And he just continues to grow into uh, his frame and grow in his skills. So being an undisputed champ at 130, no problem. Being an undisputed champ at 135, that might not be a problem either. Uh, I mean, there's one person who could be a problem, which is Tank Davis. Um, but, and I, we might get a little bit of hate on this one, but I'm willing to take the hit. Tank is not a champion. He's not. 
He carries a secondary WBA belt. You know what WBA stands for? Want a belt? All right. Want a belt? All right. You, you want a belt? All right. They give a belt to everybody. <laughs> you looking for slander on that one? Look, hey, uh, like I said, we may get some heat, and I'm willing to take the heat. But here's the thing, even with all that, in his upcoming fight, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll talk about um, on our next show, but in his upcoming fight, he is fighting uh, Romero, uh, uh, Roly Romero, and or Rolando, whatever his name is. Uh, he's fighting him. And he's not happy that he's fighting him. He's just fighting him to get out of his contract because he's sick of fighting these kinds of fights. Why? Because he's not challenging himself. And why is he not challenging himself? Because his management is saying this is the way to go. And I get it. This is how you make money. But this is not necessarily how you make legacy. And he wants to make a legacy. Uh, And that's why he's trying to do some other things because he knows I got a belt, but this is secondary belt. This this is not even this is not a real belt that I have here. I'm not fighting the the best people that I can fight, and I want to show everyone that I am the best. And to do that, you got to fight the best, as uh, Ric Flair uh, so eloquently said, and has etched into uh, the lexicon. To be the man, you got to beat the man. And I'm I, I mean, outside of Isak Cruz, you, you really haven't fought anyone everybody else that you fought has had a name has been little and come up well that's that's definitely interesting to think i mean you know when when you're building for even a a, a fight such as um uh tank davis and and, um and stevenson it it definitely sets a tone with with both of their uh recent wins so it, it, it'll be good to see, but I'm I'm kind of with you as far as concerned with Tane Davis. I'm not really too convinced on uh, his previous fucking way, but uh, we'll definitely see what happens. It, it's definitely not comparing to this next fight that we're getting ready to get into. Uh, now, in what was billed by some as the biggest fight in women's history, uh, this was actually announced as the match of the year by uh, SI's Chris Mannix. Uh, Katie Taylor put her WBA, WBC, IBF, WBO, and the ring light heavyweight titles on the line against one loss to Amanda Serrano and one by split decision. Now, this was in front of a sold out crowd at MSG. Uh, boys, what are your thoughts on that fight? And how do you think this uh, creates the next step for women's boxing? Well, the last really big fight that you had for women's boxing was. Uh, Layla Ali when she fought Frazier's daughter before that you know you had some fights with Christy Martin uh, but outside of those fights and those were so long ago you know we're talking about at least 10 you know maybe 15 years ago you really haven't had big fights for women and honestly it's a shame to me that the women don't get the love that they should get because I mean people like uh, 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 Jessica McCaskill is phenomenal um, um, oh lord what's his name of the lady that she beat out of uh, uh, the Netherlands um, 
uh, Breakers, Cecilia Breakers, phenomenal fighter. You know, the, these women fighting, Michaela Mayer, uh, uh, Clarissa Shields, you know, all of these women are dominant, dominant women. But it's a shame that they don't get the pub that they should get. This changed. It's a shame that they don't get the money that they should get. This changed. Uh, it's a shame that, you know, they, they, well, this didn't, this may have changed it. But it's a shame that they're still fighting 10 too many rounds. They can't fight for three rounds because they're women. I mean, not three rounds, three minutes because they, they're women. They can't fight for 12 rounds because they're women. It, it, it's foolishness. Now, this is something that MMA also suffered from in the beginning. They used to have three minute rounds instead of five minute rounds, but they made that change. And now the women's fights are just as uh, big and just as important as the men's. Uh, boxing has a long way to go to do that. This definitely helps. And you need fights like this in, in order for a sport, in order for um, um, a person to really rise to the occasion. They've got to have a foil. And this was the perfect combination of things number one you had two excellent promoters you know how i feel about the pause uh, i do not <laughs> like them as people however when it comes to raising the profile of fighters and bringing up the inequity that certain fighters have hats off to jake ball and promoting excellent excellent promoter you know he's kind of like kobe to me i couldn't stand him at all when he was playing the game I could I had to respect his game but I did not like him at all now after he stopped playing I was able you know I was able to, to respect him and much of that was because he became more respectful he stopped lying that's why I ain't respecting wait well, you can okay well, th that uh, let me, that's let me another, say that's another conversation that's later. a conversation for another day but I'll say really quickly he came in the league saying and he even had commercials I don't want to be the next Michael Jordan I want to be the first Kobe Bryant. Liar, liar. Your whole everything is on fire. Now, when he finally quit playing basketball and said that um, he patterned his game after Mike, which he lied and said he patterned his game after Mike uh, uh, Magic Johnson when he was playing. That's what I'm saying. He, he, was, he lied. <laughs> you, were, you were bald when you came in and you grew hair all your life, but you bald. You used to stick your tongue out coming down the lane. You walk like Mike. You talk like Mike. You chew your gum like Mike. You interview like Mike. You run back down the court like Mike. Yeah. You even got a number that much off of Mike's when you had to switch things up. So come on, man. Just be real. That that was my issue. He was lying. He wasn't being real. He got real after uh, when it all was said and done. And that's when I was able to respect Ladies and gentlemen, we have Kobe Slander on the main card. It's you got the first time for everything. Yeah. You, you, you have the voice. And uh, uh, if you know me, I'm going to be uh, honest. And uh, when it comes to Kobe, even, well, yeah, I, we won't go there, but uh, I'm going to be honest about Kobe. I'm going to be honest about how I feel about Kobe. Again, um, after, the, after the ball stopped bouncing, I gained much, much respect for him. Much respect for him. And I always respected his game. I just didn't like him because he wasn't being authentic. And so you're seeing the same thing with the Paul brothers on the outside of the ring instead of inside of the ring. 
Absolutely. Their whole gag is 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 built on uh being inauthentic trolls. I or let me not even say be being inauthentic, just being jerks. That could be who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh that you know, it really could, but it's so over exaggerated, it's annoying. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm good on them. And then plus that yeah, they just do some stupid stuff. It's like just go away somewhere. Well, the, I mean, the trolls are definitely helping to push women's boxing forward. So uh, we'll be excited to see what happens uh, after an amazing fight uh, that was sold out at MSG. Um, definitely credits to the Fall Brothers. Uh, and I believe uh, Tommy Hearns was actually also a promoter uh, on that, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. I can't be sure. Um, but when we come back, we got more uh, discussions on fights. We're going to talk about Kayla Harrison, the PFL deal. Uh, Bellator 280 and also UFC 274. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Stay tuned for the main card on MTNV Sports. Keep it locked right here. You are listening to MTNV Sports. All right. Welcome back to the main card on MTNV Sports. Um, it's your man Will T with the MTMV curator of combat sports. Yo, was we, we got to get that copyright because that's that's literally got to be illegal. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you're right. Yeah, I, I definitely have to get the man, the myth, the legend. No, your man, the myth, the legend, the voice copyright. Uh, you know, <laughs> had to put my own little spin on it. Salute to Bruce Lee. <laughs> so we, we got a couple couple more really great fights uh, to talk about. So let's get into this Kayla Harrison uh, PFL situation. Now, there was a lot of people that were disappointed to know that Kayla Harrison is going to be fighting uh, on May the 6th. Not because they're disappointing her as a fighter, but they're disappointed because we're not getting the Chris Cyborg fight. And instead, we're getting her returning to PFL to fight Marina Machinatina? Yeah, whatever you oh, said. I'm so sorry for butchering that lady's uh, name. You don't, don't be sorry because Kayla's going to butcher her and then no one's going to remember her. No <laughs> one knows her now they're not going to remember her afterward. So it's going to be the main event uh, for Friday's PFL 3 card. Uh, now, boys, what are your feelings on this? Now, I, from what I understand, Harrison accepted both the Cyborg fight and the PFL fight, and it looks like PFL actually called for their contract rights to be kept, uh, keeping Harrison and the company uh, a little bit more long term. So, what are your thoughts on this, and will we ever get to see this cyborg fight soon? <sighs> that uh, that is the million dollar question, literally. Um, as far as things are concerned, I, I know Harrison signed the contract with. Uh, I mean, with. <sighs> that's how it it worked i mean there's a bit of media spin that's being put on this now a bit of pr spin but in order for the pfl to say we'll match bellator that means she had to sign with bellator you know we, we we're familiar with this in uh restricted free agency in basketball it's the same thing you accept an offer with one uh team uh, the team that you were signed to has the, the right to match. If they decide to match, they retain you. If they decide not to match, then you go on to that team. Instead of it being teams, it's leagues of MMA, the League of Bellator, and the Professional Fighters League. 
So, you know, that, again, there's a bit of a spin here. I, you know, I signed to, to fight uh, Cyborg. I'm sure you did. You had to sign to fight somebody for, uh, <laughs> for BFL to match it. So, you know, come on. Uh, again, this is a bit of a spin, and BFL is doing a lot of... They're doing a lot of public posturing, mm-hmm. but they're not doing what they need to do to make the fight happen. Uh, the way that it's set up, you know, uh, uh, Bellator is known for co-promotion. They have co-promoted with Ryzen on a number of occasions. They co-promoted with uh, Jungle Fight in um, in Brazil. They co-promoted with Fedor and M1 Fighting before. Uh, they are co-promoting with Habib Namagamedov's organization, uh, Eagle FC, and sending a couple of their fi- of uh, of their fighters over for one of those events. They do it all the time. This is nothing new for uh, uh, for Bellator, and this is nothing new for Scott Coker because he did the same thing when he owned his own organization, Strikeforce, back in the day. So yeah, Scott Scott is not like uh, Dana White where he doesn't do co-promotion he does it all the time here's the thing though there's a way to do business and the pfl has not done business the right way i asked scott once i was like look don davis said he he'll bet you that if uh you know you allow cyborg to fight kayla harrison whoever wins and and not just them we'll just put on a a card all together champion versus champion you know and whoever wins uh uh, doesn't have to pay the production costs you know what scott said to me what did he say never heard of never heard of this this is like the co-founder of uh pfl and to scott's uh credit before i saw it i never heard of him either i was like huh like this is interesting I don't know who this guy is but okay uh but scott has said look it there's a way to do business if you want to try to co-promote pick up the phone and call me stop throwing this stuff out on uh social media and i feel him and i get it you're the upstart league you're the one that's trying to prove something why are you trying to make me call you to do it call me come 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 to the uh, come to the big dog's table. Come to the boss. Kiss the ring, and let's see what we can get done. Well, but I mean, go ahead. That sounds like a bunch of propositioning where it, it just needs to be about the fans and, and getting the fans what they want. I mean, it, this is a mega fight that literally needs to happen. Whether you know they decide to to, to promote it together or if uh, Harrison comes over to Bellator, but either way. It's something that needs to happen and they're holding up the ability to not only make money but to give fans exactly what they want to see which is an amazing opportunity to to, to see an, an amazing display of, of fighting because right now there's nobody on their level uh when it comes to who people want to see who people want to see agreed uh, but I, I guess i have a question for uh clarification sake who's holding it up it almost feels like PFL is holding it up. Okay. I, I would agree with you because, again, uh, PFL has been saying a lot of stuff on social media, mm-hmm. not even in media, not even uh, necessarily in interviews with other people. But there's a way to get business done. Pick up the phone and call. 
And to me, it's it seems as if, or I should say, it, it falls into the same kind of category that I put a number of things in in my life, uh, especially being in leadership. If you don't feel strong enough or you don't have enough conviction or courage to say it to me, then it doesn't exist. It really doesn't matter to you. If there's a problem and it's something that I've done or something that you need me to address, then talk to me. Don't go talk to everybody else around me hoping it'll get back to me. Talk to me. Because until you until you tell me, it's not a problem. This is what somebody else said. I can't take what somebody else said. I need to hear from you. Well, we shall see what happens with that. But in the meantime, definitely uh, look into the fight for Kayla Harrison, which is going to take place uh, Friday night on uh, May 6th. Yeah, that card really... Uh, low key is a is a banger. You got Ray Cooper the third, who is a two time PFL champion at welterweight. He is phenomenal. Unfortunately, he missed weight, so we'll see how this uh, plays out as the tournament goes on. That's one thing I do like about PFL is the way that they have things set up. So Ray Cooper, it, it's a point system. Uh, the faster you win the fight, the more points you get. And if there's a draw, then, you know, each person gets a certain amount of points. Uh, those points add up over the first couple of rounds and gives you your seeding for uh, the playoffs. And, and it goes on from there. Well, by missing weight, Ray Cooper is now negative one. And even if he wins the fight, he is not able to get any points. So this is going to be really interesting. Uh, you know, Pettis weighed in uh, well. He's going to fight uh, Miles Price. That's the only lightweight fight on this card. And then you got Rory McDonald, the Red King, uh, who has also who was also a really high profile PFL signing. Um, he didn't do too well. None of the high profile uh, signings that have really panned out outside of, of being stepping stones uh, for the the champions in those divisions but uh, he's fighting Brett Cooper uh, that should be a really interesting fight and I know also on the main card you have Larissa Pacheco uh, fighting as well so uh, yeah night welterweight and women's lightweight fights uh, going on and that, that should be a, a really interesting card Lo- low key banger card definitely definitely sounds like big fight feel uh, moving from one big fight field to another uh, we got uh, Bellator 280 uh, with uh, Ryan Bader and Czech Congo Part 2 taking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also have Alex Polizzi and uh, Yoel Romero uh, taking place. Uh, Romero was actually scheduled to fight uh, Melvin Manoff um, previously in what was actually uh, expected to be his last fight with Bellator. So Bellator 280, boys, how you feeling about this great fight? And what are we expecting to see here? Man, uh, this this card is uh, it, it's getting slept on because sometimes people just don't give Bellator the respect that they should give it. Now, the main event, which we talked about on uh, the Fight Nights update. So uh, if you're listening now, please make sure that you're also tuning in to MTMV Live where we get the Fight Nights updates each week. We talked about that fight a bit there, so I don't want to delve into it too much. Uh, but it was stopped due to an eye poke. Um, and 
the winners were the fans. You know, it was called uh, <laughs> no decision. Uh, but everybody watching the fight won. It's like, whoo, no more of this. So uh, the fact that they're doing it again is not necessarily a fight that people are really uh, um, looking forward to outside of the fact that it's Bellator's second fight card in Paris. Czech Congo is a Parisian. So that should bring a much different feel than it did the first time around. Uh, something that Ryan Bader said in the press conference, uh, uh, the pre-fight press conference, which makes a lot of sense, is that Congo's only fought once since they fought the first time. Whereas Bader has fought like four times and activity especially at the age that Congo is at is really important to to keep everything you know in order I mean Congo's like 47 years old you know (laughs) which in heavyweight heavyweights can fight much longer than than the other weight classes so even though he's kind of long in the tooth this is not you know out of the ordinary but he's long in the tooth and he's fought a lot he has more fights at heavyweight in the UFC than anybody else in history. And he's been out of the UFC close to a decade now. Right. He also has more fights than anybody at heavyweight in Bellator as well. So it's not like he doesn't have a, a lot of, of experience and wear and tear, but he's only fought a couple times. And that may be because he's had all those fights. I don't know. Uh, either way it goes, um, it seemed as if Bader was cruising to a victory when things uh, happened. It just wasn't the most fan-friendly style. It was a bunch of just wrestling, which, I mean, if you like amateur wrestling and you're going to, you know, the the um, the amateur wrestling uh, NCAA championship, great, but it's a fight. Right. Kind of see somebody hit somebody, uh, uh, twist something, poke now, poke something. That's the sound I get. It got stopped last time. Kick somebody, elbow somebody, knee somebody, uh, more than just uh, just the wrestling. So, uh, that's that. But in the co main event, which is the voices marquee matchup, you have two excellent dominant wrestlers, Joel Romero, silver medalist in the Olympics out of uh, Cuba taking on uh, the upstart Alex Polizzi. I got a chance to talk to Alex when Bellator was here in uh, St. Louis uh, earlier this year and you know he's a very um, he's a very charismatic young man you know uh, born in 91 so he is uh, he probably could be Yoel's son uh, just just due to age I mean Yoel yeah Yoel's my age he he, he was born in 77 this guy's you know in born in 91 uh, it's not a stretch you know uh, not a stretch he could you know he'd like fighting his son um, but Polizzi he really likes to mix things up training out of uh, syndicate MMA uh, in or I'm sorry extreme couture MMA in Vegas he's been working on seamlessly transitioning between wrestling which he was a wrestler at the university of wisconsin uh to striking and striking to wrestling that's what he's been working on um and that's what he looks to do when he's in the cage romero romero 
was a very high profile signing for Bellator, uh, you know, a couple years ago. Like, what? They got Yoel Romero and he's going to be fighting at uh, light heavyweight instead of, of uh, middleweight. Oh, man, this is going to be wonderful. I can't believe it. It's going to be so great. And, and, and then he fought. And, and, and he did the same thing he did in his last fight with, with uh, Izzy, where he just kind of stood there and was breakdancing or something. It's like, okay, you, you move your hands and you know, you, you you're shaking your your, your head because it has no neck. So you're shaking your head, and but you're not really doing anything. Oh, and you forgot, or supposedly didn't know that it was a three round fight instead of a five round fight. Now, granted, that statement changed Bellator overall. Now all main event fights are five round fights, mm-hmm. um, and I know that 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 this was uh within a, a grand prix setting so he may have thought it was a five-round fight but i'm sorry if you were training for I, i'd be mad if i was training for a five-round fight and then i got there and as i was fighting and they told me it was over and it was three rounds i'd be mad i'd be mad at my my handlers for not making sure that i was aware of what was going on yeah, I understand that since that fight, they've made that they've made all the all of the fights uh, three rounds just just by default. In, yeah, all the main events, yeah, are yeah. five rounds. The UFC uh, has done it for years, but Bellator, you know, they were sticking with it. And honestly, I kind of like this. Like, good. I make even though it's the main event, keep it three rounds. Keep the five round fights for uh, for the title fights. But uh, they changed it. I can't say I'm mad. I can't say I'm mad at all because man. Um, the the fight that was here, especially in St. Louis between Borks and uh, Mads Burnell, yeah, that needed to be all five rounds. We we would have been shortchanged if it wasn't five rounds. So you know, I'm not mad, but this is a fight. This is a three round fight. He knows it's a three round fight. Um, let's let's see what happens. He says that he has been working uh, to make the changes needed to be victorious. We shall see. I know Alex has been working on his wrestling. He said, "Look, if, if Yoel's not ready to wrestle, mm-hmm. I know it, you know he's been doing it forever, so it should be uh, second nature. But if he's not ready to wrestle, he's gonna have some problems." Well, it's definitely gonna be interesting because, like you said, the age difference. It, it, there's a 15 year age difference between the two of them, so I'm definitely interested in, in seeing what happens. That Bellator card is gonna be amazing, so definitely tune in on May 6th. Uh, and be sure to come back for uh, for uh, voices recap on those fights. Also, um, moving on to UFC 274, I'm excited uh, about this uh, this lineup here. So UFC 274, you have uh, uh, Olivieri. I'm I'm so sorry because I continue. Olivieri. I got the phonetic uh, spelling here and everything. Uh, and Gagey are actually going to be. Um, in the main event of that of that bout, that's going to be actually May seventh, uh, two thousand twenty-two, at the Footprint Center in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, now, to uh, to to many, this is also a co-main event as we get uh, Rose Namajunas actually looking to avenge her loss uh, to um, Esparza for the yeah, uh, yeah Carla Esparza uh-huh. Esparza <laughs> for the inaugural UFC. Uh, women's strawweight championship from the uh, Ultimate Fighter 20 finale um, that took place. I believe that's actually the one time 
that Rose actually tapped out. Um, and she's been leading to avenge that loss for over eight years. And then lastly, we have um, the lightweight bout between Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson. Also set for UFC 274. So Royce, give us your rundown here on these three amazing fights. I know we covered uh, the uh, the main event um, in in our in our in the show uh, previously. Well, give us a rundown on these three fights, and what do you expect? Oh man, I, I expect absolute fireworks in the main event and in the Voices Marquee matchup, which is the fight between Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson. They have been giving us so much material in their um, uh, in the, their press conferences. Uh, Chandler got back on the, the Dana White privilege train uh, in his interviews and you know he's been speaking about which is going to be very interesting. Uh, he kept getting very emotional and it really seemed to impact his mindset when someone asked how are you going to feel knowing that your son, uh, Michael Chandler has two sons, uh, they're both adopted um, but he said how, how are you going to feel knowing that your son Hap is going to be at this fight and watching you for the first time it's like really, something I'm trying not to think about thanks for bringing it up um, this is, yeah, it's uh, I, I just want to get into the fight, I don't want to think about that so that brings a whole different kind of wrinkle into things that he's got in his mind. My son is out here watching. And, you know, God, if I if I get hit, if I get hurt, how is Hap going to respond? And well, no, I can't think about that. So that that brings a whole different wrinkle into things. And Tony Ferguson, Tony Ferguson is Tony Ferguson. I mean, he is the living, breathing embodiment of the Chuck Norris joke. I mean, if you, if you know about Chuck Norris jokes, they got just as many Tony Ferguson jokes. So, um, and and all of it is, you know, Chuck Norris thing is kind of tongue in cheek. Tony Ferguson, that, that one is 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 a little more accurate. It's a little more accurate because Tony uh, definitely marches to the beat of a different drummer, and the beat of the drum that he's been marching to recently has been. Uh, Dana White is like a drug dealer, which I don't, I, I didn't quite understand his uh, his analogy there, but he was like, he's like a drug dealer. Uh, but his whole thing is he's controlling me and he's controlling all of us. We're supposed to be independent contractors, but I can't apply my services for anyone else. I want to go do, you know, I want to box. I want to wrestle. Uh, when Tony came into the UFC, he came in through the Ultimate Fighter and Brock Lesnar was his coach who he has kept uh, connections with since then. You know, it's like, I want to go with Uncle Brock and wrestle. You know, I played baseball in high school. I, I, I'm an athlete. I want to do other stuff, but they won't let me. I want to box, but they won't let me. So he he's really been uh, outspoken, uh, which he always is. Uh, he's even brought race into the situation. So it, it, it's very interesting. Um, but above all of that, he said that he fought the last couple fights hurt, which is understandable because he's been hurt. I mean, it, the, the fact that he came back from breaking his leg and, and 
cut weight when Khabib couldn't fight and all that kind of foolishness. It's like, dude, who does this? Again, lending to the lore of uh, El Kakui, uh, Tony Ferguson. But through all of that stuff, you know, he said, look, I've been taking fights and I haven't been right. I sat out for a year and a half. And then on top of that, COVID messed everything up because his first fight was the fight that kicked things back off for the UFC when he fought Gagey for the interim title. That was the first fight that the UFC had after shutdown. He couldn't train properly for that because you couldn't get training partners and things. You know, it was the 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 dark days of, of COVID, you know. Right. So, you know, he, he was all messed up and, and couldn't do the things he wanted to do. You know, but he said he, he stepped back and, and really took some time for himself. He had a lot of uh, issues outside the cage around that time, too. He had to be um, hospitalized and, and some different things. But, you know, he seems to be uh, in a um, much better place. And he said it's not over. You're 37, Tony. And you've been in some wars, but he said it's not over. One thing that Michael Chandler brought up, which uh, I did not think about, is Tony Ferguson doesn't get stopped. When he has been stopped, he's been stopped because the refs say, okay, you had enough. But <laughs> Tony Ferguson doesn't, uh, he doesn't stop. He doesn't get tapped. He, you know, he doesn't do any of those things. So this could be three rounds of mayhem, just like Chandler's fight was with Gagey. He really believes if he beats Ferguson, he'll be next in line for a fight uh, with the winner because he did lose to both Oliveira as well as to Gagey, but they were both very, very uh, exciting fights. And I know he's been working on his cardio, which is really kind of what failed him in the fight with Oliveira. I mean, definitely sounds like Chandler Ferguson could steal the show for UFC 274, and that's a, a packed show. So it says a lot about uh, that light heavyweight bout I'm definitely looking forward to it, but uh, you know, Tony Tony Ferguson is uh, I, I, for me. That's who I want to see uh, actually drift out and, and do more because he I, I've seen him do amazing things. I even got a chance to see some behind the scenes stuff uh, that uh, he had posted on YouTube. So definitely excited to see what happens here and what he does next. Um, moving from one great fighter to another great fighter, uh, Canelo Alvarez. Um, May 7th, 2022. Yes, you know, sir. everyone is, you know, feels differently about this, but this fight between him and Dimitri uh, Bivol could be a, a, a game changer. I mean, it, it, it could be great. It takes place uh, at the T-Mobile Arena in Paradise, Nevada. Now, um, we talked about this a little uh, on fight updates, but there were, uh, I was hearing that um, Alvarez actually turned down a fight uh, with Errol Spence um, and decided that he wants to and get an update on that. He has agreed to do it, but he has to come down uh, to 168. So, so voice, what do you think about uh, the B-ball fight? And what do you think about the future fights uh, that we can see with uh, with Spence and, and Charlo in the future? Um, the B-ball fight is the fight that he needs to be focused on. And like I said, we, we did touch on this uh in the fight night update so again i want to encourage everyone to go and listen there uh so i don't repeat myself too much but this is the fight i mean dimitri vival is an undefeated undefeated champion at 175 pounds dimitri vival 
is what 32 years old so he's really coming into his athletic prime so not only is Canelo fighting at the highest weight class that he's fought which he did fight and won the title against Kovalev but he was losing that fight until he won losing all 11 rounds until he won Bivol is at the peak of his athletic prowess he knows how to fight he's undefeated you know coming out of Russia you know those Eastern Europeans know how to fight and Bivol is no exception this is the most difficult fight that Canelo could have most difficult fight that he could have oh and by the way he knocks people out too I'm talking about Bivol yeah the, the, and I said Russia out, out of Eastern uh, Europe he's from Kyrgyzstan you know that former uh, Soviet Union so you know uh, give me a little push on that I, I believe that even though he is out of Kyrgyzstan he's a Russian citizen so uh, uh, all those fact checkers get you know get, give me a little give me a little break on that one give me a little break on that one but yeah uh now Bivol hasn't knocked anyone out since 2018 but when he did that was Sullivan Barrera and he knocked out pretty much everyone that he fought leading up to that he only had a couple decisions uh you know until then you know obviously as your uh your level of competition increases you know some of those those things come down but Bivol is a beast and this is the toughest fight that Canelo could have at this time now going to what you said about future fights and, and things of that nature the future is the future Ooh. three two one the future is the future and we don't know what the future holds uh you know Canelo could well I don't want to say that but it is boxing and you don't play boxing I put it there you know or should say I'll leave it there but you know those boxing fans you you know the things that can happen in the boxing ring so uh Canelo d- definitely cannot look past Bivol and we can't say anything past Bivol now uh would he fight Spence and would he fight Charlo sure he'd fight them because those would be some nice paydays um Charlo has yet to fight at 168 him moving up one way class that's not so bad and I'm actually glad that we're saying this because I remember on the fight nights update I uh, made a misstatement I said that Spence would have to come up two way class no I was wrong he has to come up more than that because he's at 147 now you gotta go past 154 you gotta go past 160 to get to 168 so that's three different way classes that you're jumping up the only person who's been successful at doing that in recent history going up that many weight classes was Roy Jones Jr. And when Roy went up, he went up to fight a heavyweight champion who who wasn't really a threat which is the reason why he was able uh, to do that. But that took a toll on him because when he decided to cut back down he, he lost a step. You know, that took a great toll on his body doing that um yeah that i mean can spence do it yeah i'm sure he can but dude canelo's been fighting at 168 
ever since he signed the Jazone deal, and that was like three years ago. He hasn't fought. He hasn't sniffed 160. It's been 168 or higher. So, yeah, it's um, I mean, would it be a fight? Yeah, it's gonna be a fight. But jumping up three different weight classes, he's got a nutritionist now, and now he's starting to actually be a real 147 pounder, not just doing a whole bunch of stupid stuff to, to cut down and make the weight, but he made the weight really well, which is why he was able to have the kind of performance that he had with Ugas. Are you trying to go up? Mm. Well, I mean, this, 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 the outcome of this fight would definitely uh, set the tone for, I, I want to say, at least the next few years of, of what can happen uh, in that division, um, especially if this does take that fight, considering you know what you said because Roy Jones wasn't the same uh when he tried to go back down. In fact, I think he actually kind of slightly probably and I had to say Roy Jones fell off, but no, he did. He did he, 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 he fell off. So it'll definitely be interesting to see. So definitely be sure well, and, to go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry, before we move on, let's not forget Canelo still has a contract to fight Triple G if he's successful in this fight. So even oh, wow. th- this talk is like maybe next year talk at Canelo, the earliest. Canelo got to run the gauntlet. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be exciting. But that, I mean, that's 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 the legacy he wants. I mean, he he stated before he wants to be the, the best of all time. And if I'm not mistaken, that's just, this is the same thing. You know, what he's going after is what he stated Ryan Garcia didn't want. So. It's kind of put up and shut up here. So it absolutely is. Because uh, you know he's also talking about uh fighting Usyk at heavyweight, right? Uh, come on. Come on. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's too much. Let's, let's, let's not <laughs> try to bite off too much. <laughs> when, when we come back to the main card, uh, we definitely uh got some uh, a couple more uh fights for you. We got the UFC fight night update, Dove Tour 281. Uh and also a, a update on your favorite fighter, Floyd Mayweather. So definitely stick around when we come back in CMB Sports, the main card.